Welcome to Real Conversations, exploring the meaning behind the music. Hi, I'm Reverend Jeannie Kataoka. And I'm Al Yankee. Join with us for a deep dive into the inspiration and meaning behind the music of New Thought, as important New Thought artists share the story of their creative process and their spiritual journey. Real Conversations is a rare opportunity to take a look behind the curtain to discover the connections between the stories, the music, the artists, and you. So let's dive right in to Real Conversations, exploring the meaning behind the music. Well, we are thrilled today here on Real Conversations to be in the presence of a real music pro. I mean, uh, just just amazing. We are in the we are in the studio with Reverend Doug LeBeau. Uh, Jeannie will tell you more about his background, but uh, Doug is somebody I've known about for a long time, and it's my first opportunity to get to talk to him face-to-face, and I'm just thrilled. So welcome, Doug. Thank you so much for inviting me, both of you, and I'm thrilled to be here. Well, let's get to know you a little better. (laughs) Doug LeBeau is an Emmy Award-winning producer, director, and editor of music and video, as well as a composer, arranger, music supervisor, and music preparer slash engraver. The bulk of his songwriting and recording has been done as a solo artist in a career for Disney. As a multimedia and video producer, he's created a lot of video, mostly for the auto industry, including Nissan and Infinity. Doug even did a four-year, 635-episode stint as the music director on General Hospital, ABC TV's longest running daytime drama. But he has approached all of his secular work with a twist. His personal mission statement is to be an agent of change for good in every area of my life. And he says he has done his best to have a music and multimedia career that reflects that, in addition to his career as a music minister and congregational senior minister. He says he's always consciously done his best to use his New Thought training to write and produce children's music and family music that stands for the self with the big S, as Emerson teaches. In his role as a New Thought music minister, music director, arranger, band leader, song leader, and choral conductor, he has always consciously differentiated himself from many of his colleagues by choosing to be the man behind the curtain rather than front and center. Al and I are delighted you're coming from behind the curtain today and standing front and center. Welcome, Reverend Doug LeBeau. Well, thanks, Gene. I appreciate it. I I really do. Thank you. Who's that man behind the curtain? (laughs) (laughs) So I want want to start with um, something of yours that's uh, from the other side of the house, not uh, not a, a spiritual piece, uh, so much, but uh, uh, for spiritual purposes, this is the promo you did for the CSL conference in 2015, <laughs> the Thrive promo. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> uh, anything you want to say about that before we play it? No, go ahead. All right, here's <laughs> here, here it is. Uh, for anybody who's who's uh, listening uh, on the New Thought Media Network, if uh, if you want to see this, where could they go to see the video of this, Doug? I, this one's on my. I think this one's on my posted on my website, lebomusic.com, under the watch videos tab. 
Let me see. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Got it. Go ahead. Right. So it's so it's there. So if you want to see the CSL Thrive promo and also the CSL mission approved promo, which was. (laughs) Well, that's important. Uh, So for anybody who's listening, there are visuals to go along with this, but I think it stands up pretty well as a piece of uh, piece of uh, promotional music uh, on its own. So here is Thrive from Reverend Doug LeBeau. Thrive, grow or develop well or vigorously. Prosper, flourish, bloom, blossom. Are you ready to thrive? This is not your grandfather's conference. It won't be business as usual. We're breaking the mold. We're creating a program that gives you usable tools to take you and your ministry from surviving to thriving. We're taking it to the next level, challenging ourselves to doing ministry in a new way. You've got to be there. We're bringing in top speakers on topics that are powerfully relevant for today's spiritual leaders. Financial viability, conflict resolution and leadership, balance, marketing, volunteerism. You asked for it, and we're delivering a different kind of conference, focused on providing you with real tools that take you from surviving to thriving. Come play with us. Come grow with us. Come thrive with us. Wow, that that promo makes me want to travel back in time to go to that conference. That was pretty wow. Fun. I want to learn how to thrive. That was that was a you know that was a fun conference and that was um that twenty fifteen conference in Las Vegas was um, when I got asked to come back to music direct to directing the music team after having been away from it for a number of years uh, after International Centers for Spiritual Living and um, United Centers for Spiritual Living uh, integrated. The word they used was integrated because it came from integrity, not to merge. Uh, I was approached by uh, Steve Burton and uh, Tammy, who used to run the the events. And uh, they had they had had a kind of a a bit of a revolving door of different uh, music directors for a couple of years. uh, But they asked me if I would come back and it was going to be the first time that it had been done in um, Las Vegas. It was the only time it was done in Las Vegas, but also that people were staying. I mean, um, uh, international centers for spiritual living had had a conference in San Diego and had a conference in Chicago, but for the whole organization to come together in a place like Las Vegas. And they actually had a pretty limited budget uh, for music. 
as they often do. And they're trying to figure out, see, the old paradigm at uh, Asilomar was that there was a house band and then um, guest artists like Daniel Namod or, uh, you know, Eddie Watkins Jr. or any number of other uh, guest artists, uh, Laura Berman and her husband, Craig Benelli, who were then performing as Four Stories High, would come from wherever they were and spend a couple of days at a Silomar, and they were driving in from somewhere and they'd get to spend a couple of days at a Silomar and come up on stage with the house band for a day and lead music like at lunch and dinner. And I was trying to figure out a new paradigm of how to uh, get great a, gr a great music team together. And it hit me that the way that I was gonna be able to make it work was to make up the house band of stellar recording artists and like that year in um in las vegas the house band was gary lynn floyd on keyboards and jamie lula on guitar and etika luckett uh, on guitar and lisa ferraro on on vocals and you know i mean it's like and i played bass and so i mean we and uh you know eugene holden who's a great minister and practitioner on hand percussion and um danny taylor on, on drums is a great drummer so we and i did the same thing the following year um in um salt lake city by adding Faith Rivera on lead and backing vocals and Reverend Karen Mitchell on lead and backing vocals and Laura Berman on lead and backing vocals. And in fact, both Laura Berman was in Las Vegas as well with her husband, Craig Benelli, who's a fantastic lead guitar player. And by doing that, then we had stellar, you know, backing vocals and lead vocals and song leading by people who are really good at all those things. And, and, I, you know, of course, would do all the arranging and send out all the charts. Like, usually the last charts went out, like the last arrangements went out at least 30 days before the arrival at the venue. And every, they were all great readers and all great ear musicians. And they were all, they were the kind of, all of them, all of them, the entire band and myself, the kind of singers who go, okay, you're on the fifth, I'll take the third. All right. Is it okay if I add the nine? Go ahead and add the nine. You know, I mean, they were they were all great, and it was such an honor to music direct a true two years of truly all star bands. Uh, it was just off the hook, and and of course, every one of them brought a dozen great songs from their um, albums, and we never ran out of uh, traditional uh, sing along chants. We never ran out of great featured music, and we had just great instrumentalists as well. So that was a, that was a terrific uh, uh, start to that kind of tradition. That's great. That's great. You know, um, I did want to ask a related question before we move away from this, because I think sure. it's the only kind of piece like this we're going to going to play today. And, you know, you've done a lot of, of, of commercial music writing as well as spiritual music writing. And I was wondering if you could make any comparisons. How are they the same? How are they different? You know, for me, uh, it's not different because uh, I'm I'm I have I am and I always have been an on-demand uh, writer. Um, ever since I went to the Grove School of Music back in the '80s, '89, '90 in the composing and arranging program, and then '90, '91 in the film scoring program. You know, I've never since then. 
not never, but I've rarely been the kind of guy who, you know, falls in love, sits down at the piano and writes a song based on some current emotion or something. You know, I've always been uh, in my secular career, the kind of guy that gets an assignment for either an instrumental or or vocal piece of music, whether it's a theme for a TV show or if you've done any reading on the stuff I've done for Disney, the stuff that my partner Genevieve Goings and I have done for Disney Junior and uh, and the you know uh, Disney preschool programs and stuff like that, it's like they come to us and they say we want to do a piece about this, about colors, about the weather, about the clothing that you wear, about making healthy choices. And then we sit down and we write something which they then animate a piece to and create storyboards out of. And my writing for uh, for spiritual music, for new thought music, has kind of always been under the same. It's just funny because I remember a story that, that um, Karen Drucker and I were sitting backstage at a Silomar probably around 2004 or 2005. And I said, where did you get all these sing-alongs from and she you know if you know karen drucker you know she's got album after album after album after album after album of album (laughs) right and she said it came very simply from the fact that when she took over the music directing in mill valley at the mill valley church of religious science the senior minister said to her if you can i'd like a new sing-along every week (laughs) just like that and and knowing that those of us who are in spiritual music know that sing-alongs or chants, as we call them, aren't really songs in the kind of classical composition or songwriting style. They're basically just four bars repeated or eight bars repeated with a change of a pronoun or a change of a quality of the divine. You know, I, thou, you, he, she, you know, peace, love, you know, and um that was her. That's where she started that kind of tradition. And so for me too, um, you know, it's really funny because I started in this business accidentally uh, in in the in the new thought music business accidentally because my wife and I had started. We were living in Santa Monica and we'd started going to Agape like thirty two years ago. And I had just graduated from the Grove School of Music, and I was actually pretty lucky but i was already pretty busy as a transcriber chart maker copyist hadn't started engraving yet and i was doing it all by hand at that time and as sharon and i started going to agape on a more regular basis i urged her we were of course in love with ricky byers music and i urged her for us to sit closer and closer to the band (laughs) <laughs> and I started over he and I recognized people in the band as great musicians like Ndugu Chancellor on drums, mm-hmm. yeah. Bray on drums. You know, they were they were great musicians who I knew could read, but I I heard them uh kind of struggling at the time with a, a song that Ricky had just brought in because she was trying to get it done really quickly before the service and she wasn't actually I don't I'm not even 100% sure she was clear at that moment on the form that she wanted and at that particular time I was taking my first science of mind class with Michael Beckwith and it was a class for people like me who were either self-employed or had a flexible schedule because instead of being like one Tuesday night a week or one Wednesday this was a class that Michael was teaching on Tuesdays and Thursdays every week from like 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. And that weekend, that Tuesday, I kind of went in and I said, Michael, 
can I talk to you for a second before class? And he said, sure. I said, I noticed that the guys in the band who are all great professional musicians are struggling a little bit with Ricky's like lyrics with some chord symbols. And I said, you know, if I knew the songs before the Sunday, I could write charts for you. I'm an expert chart writer. And he said, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. I said, okay, I'll be back on Thursday. And I went home and I transcribed from memory the two main uh, songs uh, at the time at Agape 32 years ago, which were Use Me and I Release. And I came in and I, you know, I had straight edge and pen. And I, I mean, my, my calligraphy was great long before computer. And I came in on that uh, Thursday morning and I said, this is what I'm talking about. And Michael looked at it and he went to the class. He said, everybody just wait here for a second. He grabbed me me by the shirt and he pulled me through the church to Ricky's office. And he said, Ricky, look at this. And she said, oh, you work for me now. (laughs) We hadn't, that was our first introduction. And I started, uh, she started sending me recordings like on Thursday of a new song that she had. And I would make a chart. And then within a week or two, they said, we want to do a song book. And I said, well, for that, I would need some kind of engraving software and they said, how much money do you need? You go out and buy it. And at that time, the one that I bought was made by Mark of the Unicorn. It was called Composer's Mosaic on mm-hmm. Macintosh System 9. So I went out and bought this Composer's Mosaic. And I did the first Agape songbook in that. Uh, and then, as they say, the rest is history. So I was Ricky's, I was Ricky's music assistant 32 years ago. Mm-hmm. And really funny, a number of years ago um, in Los Angeles, uh, she invited me to a meeting because someone had given them a grant to make sheet music of a bunch, like 20 of the Agape Choir songs and their arrangements. And she invited me to the um, to the meeting uh, to discuss how this was going to get done. And she said, I want to show you something. And she pulls out this three ring binder and she puts it on the dining room table at Ricky and Michael's house in Hancock Park. And she says, this is the Bible. I said, the Bible (laughs) opened it up and all of my handwritten arrangements were in plastic in this Bible. She had kept them for 25 years when she needed to refer back to something or hand something. And what's really funny is several artists over the years who came to my church to sing or to the Global Truth Center to sing when I was the music director there would send me old charts in my own handwriting (laughs) from Agape. You know, so that's so the the question that you asked was, you know, inspiration. I kind of go from the lesson of inspiration that I think it was Stravinsky who said, you know, someone said, do you do you need inspiration? He said, I'm at my desk every morning, eight o'clock and the muse is never late. And for me, I have always been an on demand writer um, and I'm, I'm a kind of a lazy person. If I don't have an assignment, I want to go watch the Red Sox, you know, so. <laughs> That's that. I hope I answered your question. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you. Uh, for for our listeners, uh, behind Doug is a big Boston Red Sox um, banner of of uh, a flag. Maybe there's I a couple right here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I am from Boston. What the listeners won't see this. Which is oh, okay. Oh, yeah, and he has a, a tattoo. A Red Boston Sox. Red yeah, Sox tattoo on my yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I am from Boston originally. As okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> Um, I chose the next song and I chose one with the divine that you wrote with, uh, as Jamie Lula calls him, Floyd, Gary Lynn Floyd. Floyd. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I wanted to say about that before we listen to it is the the rhyme scheme. I think it's in the bridge um, and it 
the it's uh, light, wide, night, aside, bright, hide, write, abide. And I was like, you know, that because I've tried writing poetry. I am a writer. But to have that many words be able to rhyme, you know, whether because I was picturing them at the end that might have been internal rhyme. I don't know. But I was just like, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. it was unconscious. I've got to I got to say, and, and pretty much every time I've written with Jamie, with uh, with Gary, um, unconscious spiritual stuff has come up. That particular song. Do you want to talk about it before we listen to it or after we listen to it? We can we can. That particular song was written on a day at Asilomar uh, when um, Gary and I had gone to the chapel at Asilomar to listen to Dr. Sue Rubin give a talk. And near the end of her talk, she said, not only are we one with the divine, but we're drenched in the divine. And Gary and I looked at each other and went, let's go write that song. And we <laughs> ran up right after we were done to the lodge, which was one of the buildings at Asilomar that had a rickety old piano with a number of keys that didn't work. And we were, I had my guitar and he was sitting at the piano and we were starting to rough out an idea for this song. And Reverend Joe Hooper, mm-hmm. who was at the time the senior minister at Palm Desert, was mm-hmm. kind of snoozing on the couch in that same living room. And every once in a while, he'd go, oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> so we knew we were on the right track for that one. Okay, well, then let's, let's listen to One with the Divine by Gary Lynn Floyd and Doug LeBeau, or The Other Way Around. <laughs> The dawn is breaking within you Can you feel the promise of the morn? Your soul is waking to this moment A new day waiting to be born We are one in the devotion Naked in the truth for all time We are moved by the emotion We are one with the divine We are a portal to awakening We are living in God's love Feels like our hearts are finally opening Forgiveness rains down like a flood We are one in the devotion Naked in the truth for all time We are moved by the emotion We are one with the divine Standing in the light Arms held open wide Emerging from the night 
all set aside No day quite as bright No place left to hide Everything is right And here we will abide We are one in the devotion Naked in the truth for all time That's lovely. That's, Thank you. Yeah. It's a little bit different language than we, we often get, you know, to be drenched. That's not something you hear, but it's a lovely, um, lovely idea. I had the opportunity to sing that song in Colorado, uh, up in Evergreen, um, when uh, Reverend Judy uh, Morley was, uh, was the minister up there. Uh, on actually it was the weekend that I was ordained. So um, snowing, it was, it was April or May and it was snowing up in the mountain and they were meeting at the time in the sanctuary of a beautiful synagogue up there in Colorado. And as I was singing, uh, there's a line about how uh, forgiveness rains down like a flood. Mm -hmm. As I was singing the song, there was a huge blizzard outside happening around us in all the glass mm. rooms of this sanctuary. So I impromptu changed the lyric to snowed down uh, <laughs> and everybody laughed because we, yeah. we were just looking at this big snowstorm happening right behind me. Mm. Nice. Awesome. Nice. I'm going to take another left turn on you here. And um, I think you, you almost referenced this, but I want to go to one of your Disney junior pieces. Mm. Um, this one is learn about colors. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what is before? Shall we listen, or would you like to say something first? Up to you. Let's give it a listen. This is from Doug LeBeau, Reverend Doug LeBeau. Learn about colors.
I wish I'd known that song because I always have trouble remembering what makes what. You know, I got the primaries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, of course, they they specifically wanted us to do a song that referenced the way that you put stuff together, the primary colors. Uh, Disney Junior is, um, you know, uh, one of the services of Disney Junior and also their Disney Junior Preschool are one of the services uh, that, I mean, I think so not, I can't say the entire, you know, Disney universe is built around education because of course it now includes Star Wars and Marvel and all that, but so much of the Disney universe, especially for younger kids, is really uh, committed to education. I mean, one of the programs that I worked on with Genevieve for a long time was Disney English, which was a chain of um, English as a second language schools in Asia. And we did hundreds of, and the way that they used to do it was they used to leverage the love of children for the Disney properties to learn English. Like they'd say, okay, this week or this month, we're just going to live in the, you know, Aladdin universe, or we're just going to live in the Toy Story universe. And then our job was within the confines of that universe was to write new material based on the characters and, and storylines within that universe. But they would give us very specific educational and linguistical um, guidelines, which is the, which they called the scope and sequence. And it was a huge document that we would get for every one of these projects. And if we ever had a question about words that could go together or sentence structures, we would go to the scope and sequence and see if it was in there. And if it wasn't, we would have to ask specifically about, uh, and in fact, what's really interesting about that is after that program had been already published for several years, um, the advisory board of Disney English in China, which was made up by English-speaking Chinese educators, all kind of at the PhD level, they asked us to re-record about, a, I think, two dozen of Genevieve's songs, which were phonemic chants in which she wrote songs. I didn't write those with her. She wrote them specifically based on another one of these scope and sequences. And they said, you know, we've realized that some of these pronunciations don't really work for children to learn to speak English. So we went back in and re-recorded her vocals. I produced those sessions for her and we re-recorded her vocals on, I think, 24 of those to be very specifically on purpose about the way that Disney wants things done in terms of education. And, and they're, they're really good about that stuff uh, in terms of education and what they stand up for, their ethos that they stand up for in terms of family and kids and stuff like that. I'm, I'm very honored to, to get to work with them. They, uh, they do, they do, uh, they are standard bearers in so many ways. They, they certainly are. Yeah. They certainly yeah. are. Um, you know, they do get, they do get grief, you know. From, from... <laughs> well, they're getting a lot of grief right now. And I don't know if we <laughs> want to even talk about that, but their, uh, their entire, uh, but I think the grief that they're getting right now is uh, well, I'm not going to say well justified grief, but I would say that uh, what they're standing up for, they really believe in, in terms of uh, inclusivity and uh mm -hmm you know, um, children of all 
orientations and uh, and identifications, and uh, I stand with them. Absolutely stand mm -hmm. with them. That's very much in alignment with what we teach in New Thought as a self-actualization of each individual. Well, as, mm -hmm. as, as an adult watching uh, Learn About Colors uh, and, and mixing two things to get another, you know, I couldn't help but go to all the other places, you know, in the, like in chemistry mm -hmm. or, or, or in art, you know, you take something or in food, you know, you take uh, fusion cuisines and you take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and you come up with something else, but in people as well, you well, know. Dr. Holmes did teach us that we're open at the top. This mm -hmm. is something better. It's yeah. not finite, it's infinite. And uh, my partner, Genevieve, that I've done a lot of this writing with, uh, she's also been a good student of mine in terms of life and, and uh, metaphysics. Uh, we've, we, try to, we try to bring all of what we stand for into the music that we write, write and the way that we produce it, you know? It's, no, it's, not a, it's not a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> It's on purpose. You know, it's really funny because uh, as you as you mentioned, Gene, you know, unlike a lot of my colleagues um, who I think started off primarily as out front recording artists, uh, solo uh, featured artists, and who also have done some uh, kind of organization of of um, events or concerts or services. As I said, you know, uh, when I started at Agape for Ricky Byers and Michael Beckwith, I was only recently out of the Grove School of Music where, and it's funny because when I, on the day that I discovered that you could have a career in music without having to be the front person of a rock and roll band, uh, and which at the time, of course, meant, you know, well, no, no, no weekly vocal lessons, no weekly sit-ups, no weekly <laughs> being a gym rat, you know, not have being able to not having to worry about getting into those leather pants or whatever. But when I discovered that people are willing to pay money for you to stay at home in your shorts and t-shirt and flip-flops and write or create stuff for industry, the entertainment industry, music, video. When I discovered that, that was an epiphany that um, was huge for me. And so uh, when I, only a short time after that, graduated from music school and started my new thought career as part of the Agape music team working for Ricky Byers, I was already a committed producer. I was already a committed transcriber and arranger and a committed uh, music director, the one who wanted to stand back by the drums and the piano and control the audience's experience by creating the perfect musical envelope. Oh, there's my dog upstairs. Creating the perfect <laughs> musical envelope for the audience and setting it all up. And having gone to one of the best professional music conservatories in America, the Grove School of Music, and I mean, Dick Grove taught us it was all about what was on the page. It was all about, you know, there's there's no there's no downbeat without a good chart on the stand, right? So um, so that was what I was already about when I started my um, new thought music career. So this is something I've never done, Doug, but uh, I I, uh, I I ran across uh, all is well 
in the uh, yeah, 101 inspiring songs. Right. Um, and it's uh, it's all yours. Um, and well, I liked it. It's, you it's know? God's. Okay. Because <laughs> this particular one came to me completely written, except for the new blessing in the middle, came to me completely written. It's a funny story because it was on a it was on a a morning that I had happened to be my wife and I happened to be up late the night before for some reason having to do with kids in school or something. Anyway, the next morning I didn't have to get up until eight thirty or nine, which was a long time ago because uh, you know we've been early birds for a long, long time. But anyway, uh, that song came to me completely and entirely written. Uh, at 5.30 in the morning and woke me bolt awake. And oh. what's funny about that song was I woke up and I looked at my watch. And I was like, 5.30? Really, God? 5.30 <laughs> in the morning on a morning when I don't have to get up till 8.30? And I was thinking about it and thinking about it. And my wife, who we've been married for 32 years, she leaned over and she said, go in the bathroom. I said, how do you even, she goes, I know when you get up in the morning like this, it's something, piece of music on your mind. I still have the recording of me in the bathroom at 5.30 that morning, like, all is well, and I am grateful. <laughs> you know, from, that, from a long, long time ago, I did it on my phone. It's, I still have the memo somewhere of my original version of that. And uh, so it was, that was uh, composed by God, realized by me at 5.30, one morning when I didn't have to get up early. Well, let's give let's give me a listen. I should disclaimers uh, <laughs> in the world. This is this is a live performance. Uh, I performed this at a service last Sunday, and uh, it was on Facebook. So I just captured the audio. There's people talking in the background. There's it's it's an imperfect uh, production, I but it it's a, of a perfect tune. Thank, Thank you. you. All is well, and I am grateful. All is well, and now it's time to let it go. All is well, and I am grateful. Life is good. So it is. I know spirit blesses and protects you. And I know the spirit's kind and gracious to you and as you. And I know that spirit shines its light upon me.
Well, Doug, I mean, you know, yeah, kudos. Thank you. But kudos all over you. Beautiful Uh, performance. (laughs) uh, You know, the tune just hits that sweet spot. It's, it's, uh, you know, uh, it's simple and repetitive, but in just the right way. You know, uh, that song, that song is actually much better known within unity than it is within religious science. And, and that was because in um, I think 2010, maybe uh, we were doing a summer, a summer conference, religious science conference down in San Diego. And I, and Donna Michael, Reverend Donna Michael and Jennifer Burnett, who at the time was one of the, she still is one of the featured artists and music directors and arts director at Mile High. I'm not sure she's still in that exact role, but she's still very, you know, busy at Mile High as a, as a vocalist. Uh, we taught a workshop for not only a music ministry workshop, not only for the people who attended uh, the religious science conference, but we opened it up to all the new thought music ministers in the greater San Diego area. And there were about a half a dozen unity, like the, the unity center in San Diego is a huge church. And there were like a half a dozen unity music directors who came and I had that chart and gave it out. And they were like, well, can we use it? I go, please use it. You know, no permission needed, just use it, you know? And so, um, I didn't realize how well known it was getting in Unity until I started to get tithe checks from Unity churches like Washington and, uh, you know, uh, a couple of places on the East Coast. And then in, uh, I think it was 2017 or 2018, somebody from my church where I was the senior minister in California at in Apple Valley uh this particular member worked for a corporation and got transferred to the Pacific Northwest. And in the town that she got transferred to, there was a unity church. And on that first Sunday that she went to that unity church, they ended the service with all as well. And she posted something on Facebook that said something to the effect of now I know that I'm home when my home minister's song that he wrote is being sung in the new church that I'm attending. These things get around, you know, they get around. And it's like one of those moments, like when Karen Drucker would be touring and someone would say, do you know, we do our tithe and we do this song. It's called, I'm so blessed. Do you know it? And Karen's like, "Uh, yeah, I wrote it. You know, (laughs) so so that one's gotten around. Um, And I don't take any credit for sweating it out. It literally came to me completely written at 531 morning. And now I did after being the senior minister at my center for a couple of years and I was closing the service with it. And instead of doing another closing treatment within that song, because there was a formal closing treatment, I thought, you know, I want to put a blessing inside of this. And in Judaism, I was raised in Judaism, the priestly blessing, uh, which is set at kind of the end of any auspicious moment 
um that center blessing section is a new new thought rewriting of that traditional priestly uh hebrew blessing of yivarech hmm. and uh so i added that uh even after 101 uh songs was published i added that just for my own live usage and uh and you did it beautifully thank you oh he always does <laughs> have you ever been, been a guest on your own show al because you're a great musician you're <laughs> always busy doing shows and uh pit pit orchestras and stuff like that i watch oh, i okay. see you no, I, I actually, yes, I was interviewed. This The history of this show here, Real Conversations, is that uh, um, Jeannie and uh, and the founder of New Thought Media Network, uh, Robert Brzezinski. I've known him for a long time. They were the original hosts. And then he got so caught up. Oh, I know. Uh, and they and they interviewed uh, me and they said, gee, would you like to, I need a break. Would you take over? And I, sure. Because I know Jeannie real well. And so we've been doing it for the past few years. I was putting my uh, my mindful uh, moments on uh, that network for a couple mm -hmm. of years before I retired from active ministry. So I know Burrs and Laura very well. If you want to talk about this, this is a great anecdote about the way that I've committed to try and up level music, you know, in the new thought arena, which was when I first joined the music team at Asilomar back in the early 2000s, again, not pointing any fingers to wonderful at wonderful uh, ministers and, and uh, music leaders who were not trained as music directors or transcribers or arrangers. But in those days, uh, the music directors would hire a, a house band for a Silomar and people would come to be the guest artists for a day or whatever. And because they weren't like me, a graduate of a professional, you know, commercial music school, um, it didn't necessarily occur to them to do the kind of prep work that I absolutely required. And when I was asked to be on this house band, I don't know what my expectation was, but, you know, I spent a week at Asilomar and I didn't see any of Asilomar because we were in rehearsal like six hours a day because the new guest artist would show up and like after lunch, they'd go, okay, this is X artists. And what songs are you going to do tonight? And that person would say, well, I thought I would do this one. I thought, and, and they would play through the songs. And I mean, I was grabbing paper and starting to write down the form of the tune and everything. And a couple of years later, when they asked me if I would take over music direction, I said, I will, but it's not going to be the paradigm that's been here before because I didn't like it. And I don't think anybody else should come to a Silomar and spend six hours a day in rehearsal when about two hours will be more than enough if there's good charts, if there's good arrangements. And so when I took that over, and at the time I was co-music directing with Reverend Donna Michael and Reverend Jack Fowler, who is a unity minister in uh, Louisiana and Reverend Donna Michael has been long uh, is one of our great chant writers and a very dear friend of mine and prayer partner for many, many years. And the three of us, we divided up our, uh, our um, duties between the three of us during the three or four months that we were preparing for that conference at Asilomar. Jack was a masterful, is a masterful uh, songwriter and chant leader 
And Donna is a masterful songwriter and chant leader who's also an, a great administrator and organizer. And I wrote charts and, you know, and we decided on the, the artists that were going to be at Asilomar months and months in advance and decided on which songs they were going to play during their sets months and months in advance. And I wrote out and, and Al, you're a, you're a great, you know, musician who reads music. And I'm sure you've seen my charts. You know, I write, I write charts for sacred music in exactly the same way that I write charts for any recording session, Broadway show, film score, uh, to industry standards. And I've got 2,500 folios of engraved published music in print by Hal Leonard, Cherry Lane, Warner Brothers. That's been part of my career for, you know, 35 years. And so I consciously, again, the man behind the curtain idea was trying to up-level the experience for the musicians as well as for the audience by doing what we talked about earlier, which is bringing that professional sensibility into the sacred you know if you if you go to nashville and uh you know if you go to nashville there's a section of the greater nashville area that has about a hundred gigachurches along mm -hmm. a particular highway that goes through the uh the um back roads of the nashville area and these gigachurches you know they got ten thousand people on a sunday after 10,000, after 10,000, after 10,000. And every one of them's got a professional music team. Uh, now they are often using the numbers, the national numbers system, right, which is right. a completely different way of writing music. But that's not the point. You know, unlike New Thought in general, these are well-funded, well-paid professional musicians who are, whose full-time job is to produce two, three services a week. And they might have some of these, some of these big centers have huge campuses look like colleges and they might have three bands that rotate, you know, three full bands, uh, rhythm sections with singers and stuff who rotate and they'll put on, you know, in an hour and a half service, there might be 50 minutes of music and then a sermon, you know? So I, I really do believe uh, from my uh, experience the last 30 years in new thought that we're, we're kind of behind in a lot of our, in a lot of our centers. And we're kind of behind in the way that we, because music is undoubtedly, and I know this not only as a music minister, but as an ordained senior community minister, you know, the three legs upon which the success of any church, spiritual center, synagogue, you know, mosque survives is on the quality of the leader's ability to speak and relate to the community. Uh, the family uh, and children's uh, ministries of, of whichever denomination, whether it's Hebrew school or Sunday school or, you know, you know, cosmic kids on a Sunday. And of course, the music ministry, because the Sunday service is any spiritual center's biggest and best calling card for membership. And the way that we change people's lives is not by having them come and hear an inspiring story on a Sunday morning. The way that we change people's lives is by inspiring them on a Sunday morning to come take a class of some kind on a consistent basis where they actually have the opportunity to rewire their brains, you know, writing new neural pathways by, by being in a class for 16 weeks where their ideas are brought up on a weekly basis as we as they study in our case you know the works of Dr. Holmes or or Emerson or any of the other you know teachers that we teach in our 
accredited religious science classes at any of our centers. So I really, I believe not from an ego point of view, but from a, a, a pastoral point of view, that music is very, very important and needs to be nurtured and developed for the sake of our centers so that our centers can do their job changing people's lives and rewiring their thinking so that they are open at the top and have the opportunity to live a healthy, happy, self-actualized life. That's what our music does. I have to tell you, my wife, Sharon Earl, Reverend Sharon, was the head of our practitioner corps at the Global Truth Center, and she put together a um, practitioner weekend in Ojai a number of years ago, and she got the idea that she wanted to have a running soundtrack playing the entire weekend. And she spent about a month going through all of our New Thought CDs at the time and picking out her favorite songs from Daniel Namod and Jamie Lula and Karen Drucker and all of our friends. And she put together a playlist and it was, everybody raved about this playlist. And then I noticed we started just keep, we both have that playlist still to this date on our phones. And we had a Bluetooth speaker in our kitchen and whichever one of us was making dinner, we were constantly playing this exact playlist. It's about a three or four hour playlist. We just play it around or randomly play it. And, you know, I got to say, it is really difficult to be short and impatient with your kids while Jamie Lula is singing, you're perfect, you're golden. Mm -hmm. You know, it is really yeah. hard to, to, you know, not seek a balance with your spouse when um, Karen Drucker is singing, I send my love over the mountain and mm -hmm. it turns to me. And I realized, you know, one of those, the universe preaching to the choir moments. It was like, aha, this is really what we're doing. If everybody had a life affirming playlist on their phone at all times and wouldn't pay attention to a lot of the divisive crap that's happening around us in our society, things would be better for us individually and as a society. And that's our job as New Thought musicians to create that playlist through all of our work, whether it's as featured musicians with our albums or whether it's through, uh, you know, Karen Drucker's and everybody else's constant uh, creation of uh, little ditties that are earworms that, you know, so... My brother-in-law and I went on a vacation to Mexico. We have a timeshare in Playa del Carmen. And we flew home separately on different airlines. And I happened to come back on this particular Saturday. It was a Saturday to Saturday. Every year, it's a Saturday to Saturday. And I was flying back into the United States. And customs, I landed on this particular time at uh, in Houston at George Bush International Airport on a day when, unfortunately... There were a lot of thunderstorms and uh, it was getting really, really backed up in customs. There were probably like 3000 people in customs and they kept announcing flights being canceled and people were going or flights delayed. And people were like, I'm never going to make my flight. I'm never going to because it's one of those airports where everybody is um, making connecting flights. And this was before I wrote All Is Well, but people were getting really unruly around me. And just to kind of myself, I started singing, I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed, I'm so grateful for all that I have. And I happened to make 
eye contact with a very large, angry looking guy standing like five feet from me who said, what are you doing? And his mother was standing, I assume it was his mother or his grandmother was standing next to him. She had one of those uh, Queen Elizabeth purses, you know, the big kind of a, a rectangular flat old lady purse. No offense to anybody by our age. I'm 65. But she hit him with her purse and she said, shut up. He's making it better. And everybody <laughs> around us laughed. And the tension in the little area that we're in, just everybody laughed. And all of a sudden people were talking and joking and everything. I mean, it's like, that's the job of new yeah. music for us to diffuse what appears to be our life and remember what really is our life, the life of God, expressing in and as us through our music. Reverend Doug. And so it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful, sir. Thank you so yeah, much. It was. That well, was that, it's awesome. I wouldn't be surprised. Performed by Gary Lynn Floyd. Let's give it a listen. Be surprised if peace broke out all over. I wouldn't be surprised if I found a four-leaf clover. Cause miracles abound, they happen all around me every day. I wouldn't be surprised if we put an end to hunger. Surprised if we just kept getting younger, cause miracles abound, happen all around me every day. And life keeps blessing me with so much good, I wouldn't change it even if I could. Blessing me in every way And if it all turns out okay I wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised at all I wouldn't be surprised if I found out every answer I won't be surprised when we find a cure for cancer Cause miracles abound They happen all around me every day And life keeps blessing me with so much good I wouldn't change it even if I could Blessing me in every way And if it all turns out okay I wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised at all Right. 
Life keeps blessing me with so much good. I wouldn't change it even if I could. Blessing me in every way. And if it all turns out okay, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Life keeps blessing me with so much good. I wouldn't change it even if I could. Blessing me in every way, and if it all turns out okay, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Miracles abound, happen all around me every day. I think that's one of those messages. You know, Gary and I uh, had, uh, for a long time, when Gary and Danny, his partner, were living in Los Angeles, uh, Gary and I had uh, kind of standing, like, Wednesday appointments to to do some writing at my studio. And um, so we were working on, he was sitting at the piano, he was sitting at this keyboard that I'm sitting at right now. And uh, we were working on the lyric of this song, and um, there's a line in the song, "All unfolding perfectly." You know, uh, everything. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, that wasn't. Uh, wouldn't be surprised. This was a different song, but what the funny part of the story was, he was writing, and somebody called me for a prayer request, and I said, "Well, I'm right in the middle of writing a song with the Gary, but as soon as I'm done, I'll call you back and we'll do a session. We'll do treatment together." And I said. Don't worry, everything's unfolding perfectly. And just as I said that, Gary sang, all unfolding perfectly. I said, no, Gary, that's not the lyric of the song. That's just what he said. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> yeah, Wouldn't Be Surprised actually came from an article in Science of Mind magazine um, that was written by a, a minister who uh, told a story about uh, a new thought, a new age writer who said whenever he, uh, I think it was Terry McMillan, who said whenever he was unsure that something was going to happen, he would go into his studio and close, in, into his office and close the door and say, I wouldn't be surprised if this financial problem, or I wouldn't be surprised if this interpersonal issue just cleared itself up. I wouldn't be surprised. And so it was in um, Science of Mind magazine, and uh, I read it on a day right before uh, Gary was coming over. And I said, I know what we're going to write about tomorrow. We're going to write a song called I Wouldn't Be Surprised. And then I read him the article and he went, oh, that's good. And that's that's how we wrote that. It was uh, Dr. Bob Luckin, who had from Florida, mm -hmm. who had written that article in Science of Mind magazine. We're getting towards the end of our show, but there is one question that maybe I should have asked earlier. Um, but I do wonder always, in your case, how a kid from the streets of Boston ends up at the Dick Grove School. What Can you trace a little bit of your path from just a kid in the neighborhood to, sure. to you how know, you got there? Uh, 
I went to high school. I'm from New England, and I went to high school, and my dad was in our family's business, which was the alcoholic beverage industry business. And my dad worked for a company called Seagram. Mm. Big company. And he worked, company. York, he worked in New York City. And uh, at that time, we weren't living in Boston. I did my high school years in Connecticut, in Westport, Connecticut, which is a suburb of New York City. And my dad used to take the train from Connecticut into the city. And then just as I just as I was graduating from high school and planning to go to college somewhere in the Boston area, like Emerson, or I was thinking theater more than music at the time. Uh, I loved the theater and I, and I loved music too, but I really loved the theater deeply. Um, and I was thinking being a director or an actor in the theater. And my parents came to me and said, we really want you to come to California with us. And I said, I don't think so. And my dad said, if you come to California, we'll give you your own apartment and a car. I said, sure. are you going to be able to do that? And he said, yeah. And at the time, tuition at the school, I ended up going to school at California State University at Northridge in 1975, tuition was 95 bucks a semester. Right. I think my books cost 150 bucks, but the yeah. tuition yeah. itself was 95 bucks. And my parents said, you know, if you don't like it, you can, you can transfer back to the East Coast, but we'd like to keep the family together. And so my mother and father and my sister and I all moved to Los Angeles. And I um, was, for a long time through the 70s and into the early 80s, I was doing a lot of acting in theater and co some commercials and stuff, but I was also playing in bands. And I met a guy who was a graduate of the Berkeley School who had a degree in film scoring and was a great lead guitar player. And he and I started a rock band called Doug LeBeau and Van Gogh. I was writing the songs and um, we were playing around town, but an acting teacher of mine had one night after, after acting class, he said, I want to talk to you. He said, and don't get me wrong. He said, I think, I think you're a good actor. He said, but I think you're making a mistake. I don't think you like acting as much as you like music. He said, I think you have some kind of an idea in your head that acting is a more artistic endeavor or something and that you should be an actor. He said, but I gotta tell you, I think you work really hard to be a decent actor, but you don't work really hard to be a really good musician. I think it's much more natural for you. And so it took me aback for a while, but then I started to really think about it and put myself out more as a musician and a friend of mine who, uh, a, a great drummer named Mike Snyder, who ultimately became my best man at my wedding, uh, and he was a graduate of the SC Thornton School of Music as a percussionist, he said, you know, if you really want to get a head start in the music business, there's a great school about three blocks from where you live in Van Nuys. It's called the Grove School of Music. And I was like, really? I didn't know anything about it. And I walked over there. I lived at Kester and Victory in the San Fernando Valley. And it was at, uh, you know, Van Nuys and Victory, like a couple of blocks away. And I walked over there and I got a, um, I got a brochure and I ended up going to the Grove School of Music for two years. It changed my life. I, I was privileged to study with a great mentor, Dick Grove, um, I studied a year of jazz arranging and composition, commercial arranging and composition, and a year of film scoring. And then I taught there. I taught, uh, I found that I had a real knack 
for transcribing and notating music. So uh, they hired me as a, as a music prep teacher and a guidance counselor. And I pretty much immediately started working as a copyist uh, for people and as a transcriber. And, uh, and my brother-in-law, who is uh, an executive in the music industry, he was working for, for um, a company that was making um, cheap animated uh, stuff for like cable. And to get their... Um, to get their royalties, they needed somebody to make uh, cue sheets and lead sheets of the stuff that was in. So I got a job transcribing animation music so it was, so I could make their cue sheets for them so that they, it was Chaim Saban for the Saban Corporation. And it was like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes in those days, 30 years ago. And they needed someone because they were just doing stuff at the at the synthesizer and they had no sheet music. They You know, the composers were doing it fast and dirty and, you know, cheap. But to earn the money... They needed somebody to write down what the cues were. And I lucked into this opportunity. And so right out of music school, I had pretty much full-time work transcribing all day, every day. And you get really good fast if you transcribe music. I think everybody, every musician should transcribe music. It's like the most important skill to learn about music, regardless of what you studied in any other musical expertise transcribing and notating music is super important for really understand because when you transcribe music you get to see visually you get to see what's going on and uh, my brother-in-law ultimately hired me for his uh, jazz label bfm jazz bfm music i did about a dozen albums of classic uh tv themes for him uh, some of them are on my website if you ever looked at them, but I did about a dozen albums of classic TV themes that either the original music wasn't was no longer available or the master recording was too old to be used in commercials or trade shows or whatever. So they wanted to re-record them. And so stuff like, you know, uh, Get Smart and, uh, and you know, uh, Lost in Space and Mr. Ed and all of those, I would listen to the original theme and write it down in full score for orchestra and then use my studio to reproduce a recording of it, which my brother-in-law's label could then put on iTunes or Google for people to license, to use for commercials and for trade shows and stuff like that. And when you transcribe music, and, and that's truly a gift of my time at the Grove School and learning, not to say that there's anything, you know, wrong with uh, those of us who've had the opportunity to go through uh you know, a university composition or, or conducting or, or performance program. But for me and what I wanted to do, that was the perfect paradigm for me to get to where I, to get from point A to point Z where I wanted to be. <laughs> right after I graduated, my wife and I started going to Agape and that changed my life again. Well, I have to uh, just, you know, you said, you mentioned Chaim Saban and, and I know you know, but our audience may not, that he uh, bought a theater in Beverly That's right. Hills. And that is the theaters now where Agape meets on Sunday morning. That's right. That was also the same theater when it was, I think, called the Wilshire Theater, where Dr. David Walker had the Los Angeles Church of Religious Science for many years. Now that I didn't know. Away. There you yes. go. Nice. Yeah, the connections uh, are, are uh, crazy. It, the whole universe is interconnected. There's only one. Mm. So. so as we draw to a close... I do have to ask you just one quick question. Do you think there's any piece of music of yours that we have left out that we should include? Or is there any parting thought that you wish to leave us with? Well, um, one of my pieces of music that I'm really proud of 
is a song called uh, I Remember Who I Am. And uh, I remember who I am. I remember who you are. And who we are is pure spirit. And I love that song. And it's been used in a lot of centers. And I used it in, in my center for the five years that I was, and, and my congregation really loved it. But what I, a couple of years ago during the pandemic, I music directed for the CSL Ministers Conference, which was all ministers. The CSL Ministers Conference is an interesting conference because it's just for ministers of, by, and for ministers. And I put together a great music team for that conference with myself and Melissa Felipe and her wife, uh, Z Egloff, and Reverend Andy Anderson, and um, uh, a, n a number of us uh, who were on the music team. And we did one of those Brady Bunch videos of that song, of us all singing it together. And it's just really fun. And I love that one. So, All right. Well, we will close with that then. Here is Reverend Doug LeBeau and a cast of thousands <laughs> doing I Remember Who I Am. One, two, three. I remember who I am. I remember who you are and who we are. His pure spirit. I remember who I am. I remember who you are and who we are. We are life, we are light, we are love. We are joy, we are peace, we are wisdom and beautiful harmony. We are pure spirit. I remember who I am, I remember who you are, and who we are, is pure spirit. I remember who I am, I remember who you are, and who we are. We are life, we are light, we are love. We are joy, we are peace, we are wisdom. And beautiful harmony, we are pure spirit. I remember who I am, I remember who you are, and who we are, is pure spirit, and who we are, is pure spirit, and who we are.
you know that 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 tune's got such a great communal feel you know it uh uh it it just feels like the tribes are coming together <laughs> that good, was wonderful good times good people all right well thank Anna you so michael and uh yeah good good times good people well thank you for inviting me i i i hope uh it's been an interesting conversation. It certainly is for me. You know, yeah, it's been I awesome. know lots of people who tell you I love nothing more than talking about myself. So, <laughs> well, that's exactly what we're here for. It's been a delight. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you.